Thank you. Well, I'm excited to see you today. Um, we're coming to the end of the summer. There's a lot of great things on our horizon for the fall. Aren't you glad to be part of a church family? Yes. Me too. I think you are going to have to turn me down just a little bit. That was me breathing when he looked over at me. <laughs> I held my breath and it stopped and I was like, oh. So I'm not used to all the stuff. I'm not up here as often as he is. Let's pray before we get started, shall we? I want the Lord to speak a now word to you that you leave and you will never, never be the same. Could, could that happen? With the living, breathing word of God? Let me ask you again. Could that happen? It could happen to us in such a way that it's a mile marker in our lives. And that's what I want to believe for today. Father, thank you. Thank you for a church family. Thank you, Lord, for purpose. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Father, for the life that comes from your word, from the life that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit within and upon us. And so, Lord, we're just asking you today to um, give us ears to hear. We just, just say that to ourselves right now. Where you're sitting right now, just, just make that decision. I have ears to hear. And so, Lord, we just, as a group, corporately, we say, Lord, speak to us. And um, I pray that any distractions would just be uh, avoided and that there wouldn't be a distraction in the place. Let me not be a distraction. And I pray, Lord, that we would treasure your word for the, the uh, valuable gift that it is. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, all Scripture, the Bible says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for teaching us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So what can you expect? Truth? If it's from the Bible, you can expect truth. And this is kind of tough. John was just kind of talking about this a minute ago. What is wrong in our lives? Sometimes there's a, we want to, we want to hide or we want to just, we want to not look over there. But listen, come into the light. You have a father that loves you. Maybe you grew up with someone who backhanded you if something was wrong. That's not the way Father God behaves with us. And so there can be some things in your life that are wrong and God wants to correct. And here's what he does. When he shines light on something that's wrong in our lives, he gives us the power to fix it at the same time. So he says, here's the issue. You can do this. So we can be empowered when um, we, we see something that needs to be changed. So how amazing is his word? Well, I want to start by looking at a couple of passages in First and Second Timothy. So First Timothy 6.12, as we talk about being founded and grounded. Maybe, I don't know where you are, but it'll re- this is all going to relate to you. God's word always does. But um, sometimes you can get something and you're thinking, well, I wonder why why that came to me. Hang on to it, because it could be something that that you're going to need in a week or two. It could be something that'll help you. Here's what can happen sometimes. It helps you to look back and say, I wish I had known this then, not with regret, but that you can say, you know, life tends to go in cycles. You know, things, you you have a high point in your life, and it seems like everything just goes wonderfully, and then there's a time of challenge, Right, we have faith challenges and those kinds of things. So, uh, whatever is said today, you can you can you can value it. Um, jot down notes, or maybe if you're not one to jot down notes, guess what? That that's fine too. But you could go back and listen to this uh, again and again. You could go back and listen to other sermons online. Um, it, it can be valuable. First Timothy six twelve says this, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. Now, maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, this is, this is a, a directive, right? You fight. The understood subject is you. You fight the good fight of faith. Take hold, you. Take hold, lay hold. This is very aggressive. If you're a passive personality, I don't like to fight. Well, or maybe you're the type of person that you're, you like a good scuffle with your wife. You don't really mind. Um... That, that's not a good thing, and that's not what we're talking about here. But either way, you can have somebody that enjoys a good banter, and yet they won't fight the good fight of faith. So whether you're a passive or whether you're one that's a bit more aggressive naturally as a person, 
The Bible here, here we see Paul addressing a young man and saying, you fight the good fight of faith. There's another understood thing here. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. There is a fight of faith. There are a number of denominations. There are a number of churches, a number of Christian churches, a number of Bible teaching churches that do not address the fact that there's an enemy. Um, They won't tell you that there's an enemy to your soul. They would rather speak. There's all kinds of things that can be spoken from a platform, social reform, political issues, um, you know, other agendas. But we must know that there is a fight of faith. And for us to to say that there's not going to be a fight in life is to look the other direction. And you're just going to you're going to be defeated. If you say, well, I don't, I don't want to fight. I, I don't like fighting. Then there, there's just no other option. Because we have a warning here in Scripture that you must fight the good fight of faith. And to take hold of eternal life. Now, eternal life is more than you just um, having fire insurance and knowing that you now you don't have to go to hell. You ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And that was the starting point to make Jesus Lord of your life was only the starting point to your eternal life. Eternal life, we, would, we could go to Isaiah 54. You can jot it down and go there later. And it will tell you everything that you received at salvation. And there's a list of things. Access. Access to many, many things other than just your own salvation uh, and a place in heaven, your own eternal soul, spirit uh, being saved. And there's more to it than that. Uh, Jesus paid for your healing. Jesus paid for your peace. Does everybody in here have peace? Well, let's don't even go there. Did he pay for it? Salvation is preached on a regular basis in in churches all across the United States. Is everybody sitting there a Christian? So just because what we want to do is oftentimes we'll look at Scripture and go, we might even realize we're doing it and it it can be subconscious and we'll skip right over something because we're thinking, I don't, that's not happening in my life. It doesn't make it any less accessible to you. A good parallel might be in the Old Testament where we take the children of Israel um, going into the nation of Israel, God says to them, I'm giving you the land of Canaan. I'm giving it to you. And what do they do when they go over there? They look and they're, they're, they're deciding, you know, how to attack and all of this. What they were doing was deciding whether to go in. Should never have done that. Did God say go in? Then do we say, if we were them, if we were one of that bunch, we can talk all about them because there's none of them here today. Right. Let's just talk all about what they did and how they missed it. So if God says go in, do we say, I don't know. Should they have? No, they shouldn't have. They might have said, I don't know how we're going to go in quite yet. Uh, we've got we've to decide exactly what we're going to do, what our plan of attack is. But we don't say, I don't know if we should go in. And we don't, when we look at Isaiah 54 and we see that healing is part of our covenant or we see that peace as part of our covenant. We know that Christ purchased our righteousness, right? Standing with God. It is not for us then to say, well, I I may or may not have it. As Christians, we have to access those things. So they went to the promised land. They went to see, should they they go over? And what did they notice? Big, hairy giants. And they begin to back away and and say, well, can we do this um, in your life? When the things of God are presented to you, you're going to access them by faith. It is by faith, though, that, so that there will be grace. Oftentimes, people want the grace without the faith. God, just do it for me. We just read in Scripture that we must fight a good fight of faith. And so there's our part. I guess that was in our teaching here in in this class today, in this room. And then there's God's part. Our part is faith. His part is the grace. Then to open those things. We enter. It's the way we got saved. We entered by faith, and then there was grace to do it. Uh, You know, you might, a lot of people, they, they decide, they're thinking, well, I can't really follow the Lord because they're dealing with stuff. They're dealing with sin, and they're thinking, I can't, I can't get rid of these habits. It is first by faith. 
And then the grace will come to stop those things. Then the grace will come to revamp your life. But first it's by faith and then by grace. Well, it also says here that we have to lay hold of those things. Lay hold of our uh, eternal life, which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Good confession. John spoke, I think this may be the last time he spoke, and he gave us a list of good confessions, things to say that are based on Scripture, truths to speak. So when this says, um, lay hold of, hang on to your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, it sounds to me like church. We confessed quite a few things as Daniel led us in worship today. We, we're confessing, I will build my life. And maybe you're, sometimes people do this. They sit there in church and they say, I can't sing that. I'll build my life up. I haven't been, I haven't been doing that. And they're thinking, I'm not, I can't sing that. Sing it. That's where it starts. Sing, sing what you want. Declare what you want. John was talking about today. Sometimes um, you sense a no. When it comes to the promises of God, Sometimes there'll be a no in our life, and we're going to see that in the life of someone today, where God gave a clear warning in Scripture, and they, they didn't listen. But when you have the Word of God, when you're founded first on the Word, you have His promise. Where, there, where His promises are, they are always yes and amen. You're not starting with a no. You're starting with a yes. All His promises are yes. And amen, I may be getting a tad bit ahead of myself. So let's, I, wanna, I want you to realize the, the value of coming into faith on things. As I was getting ready this morning, the Lord gave me this, and I hadn't intended to go there, so I'm just going to reference it. Um, Romans 10, uh, again, if we're going to fight the good of faith, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we must know where faith begins. So faith is the bedrock of our strength as a, as a believer. It is everything. We can't please God without faith. In Romans 10, we find out how to get faith. If we see here that you must fight the good fight of faith, how do we get faith? If we know that Ephesians 6 says that in your fight to put on the whole armor of God, above all, it lists some things in there, above all the shield of faith, wherewith you will quench every. That's scripture. It's, it's almost, it's so big. What do you do when something's too big? Hang on to it and meditate it. Speak it, meditate it. It'll, it what, what's the goal? To make it so big on the inside that there's a law of displacement that takes place. The power of the living word to change every circumstance in our lives. But we don't oftentimes want to do the work of it. Uh, do I have to think about that all the time? You're thinking about something all the time anyway. So why not think the right things? Anybody here want to do something that succeeds? Me too. All right, I, I want to live in such a way that's successful. So how do we get faith? Faith comes, Romans tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today I was getting, getting ready and I felt like the Lord said, back up and read what comes before that. We say that all the time in our, our church setting, and it's so appropriate. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And I, I felt like I should back up, so I did. I had read it before, but I guess I never put this together. In Romans 14, it's talking about the preached Word. Faith comes by hearing. Maybe you're sitting there thinking last week or a few weeks ago, don't raise your hand, but you just sat home and thought, I'm just going to I'm going to relax today, and I'll read the Word, and <laughs> not that you would go to sleep reading the Word, but it's happened before to some of us. Um, so let's say that that happened, and you just chose not to come to church, and you're thinking, well, I, I, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. It's the preached Word. If you back up, it's that whole portion where it says, how will they know unless they hear, and how will they hear without a preacher. It is the anointed word of God that brings faith. So maybe you've been thinking, pastor always says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I'm, I'm reading my Bible. It, there is power in gathering together and hearing the preached word. Um, there was a little blockade that could have come in our lives with one of our children. We just always said, you're going to this, you're going to that. If it's on the church calendar, you there. And um, so anyway, we've always kind of done that with our kids. And 
Luke was the first to go into the youth group, and he had a scenario where um, he, he, he just was out hanging around. He was the youngest one of the bunch uh, in the youth group. There were a lot of older students at that time. Um, Rhonda McCarty placed some amazing things in uh, Luke's life his, as he went into the youth group. And um, we had homeschooled our kids and done a, a lot of things purposefully. But we, John and I were raised in church, and we, we cannot get away from the value of what happens in these seats. So uh, Luke was at, at youth group, and there was a, a lot of the kids just, you know, hanging out, and they were, had the volleyball net up and a lot of things going on. Well, here he is just acting like a 12-year-old, and he gets on these air conditioning units out here, and there had been some other kids that were on the air conditioning units, but Rhonda didn't see them. She came around the corner, and she, she was very firm with him. Well, he came home that night, and it hurt his feelings. And my first, first kid in the youth group, he had come from children's church where I had been teaching. Uh, later, my other kids sat under Pastor Keith and Miss Christie, but he had sat under me. So um, here he is. He's got someone else in his life. It, it is the worst thing that I could have done to have thought to myself, well, he said there were other kids. Did they get in trouble? You know, I don't need to put that in his mind. What am I telling you? There is value around honoring God's word and the preached message. I don't want him mad at her. I don't want him thinking, well, she, she, didn't, she wasn't fair. So there is, we've got to honor the word. And so many of us will say, well, I wouldn't dishonor the word, but we dishonor the messengers of the word too many times. Um, so faith comes by hearing the preached, or it says, I guess the original, original Greek would have been the anointed, which has to do with the spoken the spoken word of God. So what, what great, uh, amazing impact that has in us. We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith, 2 Timothy 4, 6. Let's go there. Paul says later in his life, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. How does faith come? It comes by hearing the preached word. Then let's talk about how it goes. The Bible is very logical. Usually, even with a promise, if you find out what to do, you turn it around, and you'll know then what not to do. So then how does faith get weak or die? Go away. Not hearing the preached, anointed word of God. We cannot, we dare not undervalue what happens in a regular uh, exchange as we hear the preached word of God. You, we, we want podcasts. You have other people that you're listening to throughout the week. It, it's a huge thing that we stay energized with faith. We have to know how it comes in order to when our faith level gets low, we're not just like, I guess it's just a season of depression. Do not stay there. Faith is what, faith is the victory. Faith is the thing that will help you get out of that and overcome it. Second Timothy 4, 6, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. It's a real fight. Your faith fight is a real fight. To say, you know, I'm just not sure. Maybe this is just a season of, of struggle. I want, you to, I want you to err on the side of being more aggressive than passive in this. It, it's super important. Or we won't take the word of God up when we need it. We won't lay hold of those things when there's just circumstances where we're thinking, well, is this really a fight of faith? I don't know err on the side of saying, no, 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 no. I'm not having that. I will not have that. The devil's not going to steal my finances. No, 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 no. My child is not going to, I'm not allowing my child to go off the faith path. No. And then begin to fight that good fight of faith. We'll see how to do that. Keep your faith up. Um, so Paul says, I fought the good fight of faith. And then he says, I finished my course. And here's how. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. And maybe you're sitting there today and you think, I thought I heard that Jesus already did the fighting. He did. Remember the promised land? God says, here's what's available to you, but you have to access it. Well, when Jesus came, he legally bought a whole lot of things for us. But sickness and disease have not been eradicated. 
just because Jesus came. You have to make him Lord in that area. You have to decide this is one area that I know Jesus bought and paid for for me. There has to be a knowing of what's available. I thought Jesus won the victory. He has, but the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And you have to settle it in your life. You have to settle these things. And that's why Paul's saying, fight the good fight of faith. Get up, be ready. You have to establish his victory and his lordship, his word and his truth in your life. I'm feeling a little bit of a, it's not, it's not too fun. It's going to get fun. I promise. It'll get fun here in a minute. Uh, maybe you're saying, well, what about all things are possible? That's only half a verse. All things are possible to him that believes. So that's where the problem can come in. We sit in church week after week or whatever, and we know the talk. That's so important to know the talk. So important to have a good faith confession. But we're going to have to go home tomorrow and walk the walk. We're going to go to our jobs and the places that we're uh, called to and need to walk these things out. So um, I want to give you an, a, a negative example. I'm so thankful that God didn't just put all these shining stories in Scripture of people that did everything right, because I don't know if I'd want to read that, because I don't always do everything right. Um, so I, I, I want you to see this example. Are you the type that, I'm going to read to you about Peter and a fa failure that he had. Fail, faith failure, we might call it. Um, so I'm going to read to, that to you in just a minute. Um, but anybody in here, when you're reading a, a great book, um, a mystery or whatever, you're, you're reading the life, a, a wonderful biography, something that you just wonder what's going to happen. And you, you would skip ahead and read and then go back and see the details. Anybody in here? And there's some of you are like, absolutely not. That would be a spoiler. Anybody? You're not going to do the spoiler. Most of you raised your hand for I'd read to the back. Okay, I'm going to help you. Uh, here, here's what happened here. Peter, we're going to see a, a time when he failed. He failed Jesus. And then I want you to know that he wrote two books of the Bible. He's one of the founders of our own faith and the teachings that we have from Peter. But his, his failure is for us in Scripture to learn from. So let's go now to Luke 22, 31, um, and we'll, we'll begin reading there. I want to ask you something as you're turning there. Um, are there some things that maybe you've been shaken in lately? Guys, I've been shaken before. I know what that, that's like. It's, we'll see Peter was shaken. Um, that's, that's not a problem. Just because you're shaken doesn't mean that you're not founded and grounded anymore. You can make it through that season of shaking. Um, are there some things that you can't be shaken on? I want you to say yes to that in your heart. If you're not there today, I want you to get there. Here, here's some things that should be. we should... Get settled forever. Our salvation. Once you pray that prayer, we don't ever want to go back and say, well, am I saved? You don't want to wake up tomorrow. I don't feel saved. No. If you prayed the prayer, now you, you're going to walk in faith. That's settled. So are there some things in your life that you've settled? If you're a new believer, you're probably in that, that uh, mode in life where you're still settling some things. Those of you that have been following the Lord for a number of years, we must have some things that we are settled on. And if we're not settled, again, what should, what should we do? Go back to the Word and get stronger in that. Meditate those things. Do that on a regular basis. I'm giving you purpose for your daily time in God's Word. No faith, no strength. Not knowing God's Word, it's just a recipe for eventually uh, having some failure in our lives. So some things that we want to have as non-negotiables. I know that Jesus is my Savior. Regard of my behavior, I can work on that behavior thing, but he is my Savior. I've received him as my Savior. And then God's goodness, non-negotiables. I know he's good. Say that tomorrow when things come your way. There's going to be pictures in life, things that the, de the enemy will put before you to say, God's not good. Job loss might say, aha, God took your job from you. You can't, you can't find that in Scripture. 
The only time that we know that Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But that's, he was, that was him talking. God didn't say, I give and I take away. God didn't say it. Job said it about God. So the, the taking and the robbing that's happening in our lives, we want to be aware of those things and realize that God is good. He's a protector. Those are non-negotiables that we want to settle forever. Luke 22 we read here, and it says in Scripture that Jesus is speaking, and he says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. You all as wheat. So he's talking to all the disciples here. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So here you see a scenario where Jesus is giving a warning to Peter. And what does is, what is, uh, Jesus do when he feels that there's something coming in the lives of his disciples. Well, there was. He was about to offer himself up. Jesus was going to be arrested and taken then and flogged and all and get, you know, get prepared for the crucifixion. So there was some stuff coming on the horizon. And Jesus is giving a warning. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. Listen, parents, there'll be times in raising children um, even, even those of us that, that are in other relationships, it might be in your, with your grandchildren, but specifically you as parents, that the, the Lord's going to give you a warning. You know, you don't want to say something like, oh, God's got this, and just, wait a minute. Remember, we have to fight the good fight of faith. Jesus won the victory for us, but we do have to show up for it. We do have to come alongside him and declare his word. So if there's warnings that come in our life, we feel that, oh, should I... I, I'm wondering what's on my horizon. We want to be able to come to the place where we're spiritually aware and we can recognize fear versus a warning. You don't have to operate in fear and not sleep all night over something. But what's the difference? When there's a warning in our, our lives, what we want to do is we want to then begin to act. Find a passage. Find something in God's, in God's Word. Have a go-to passage. Have something that you can say, Lord, I remember what your Word says about this or that, if you're having an issue of peace, if it's a financial issue and you're getting something on the inside, there's unrest at, uh, at work and people are being laid off, it's not the time to freak out. Neither is it time to go, ah, eh, well, God's got this, just because we're Christians. We want to find what his word says and begin to cover that situation with a promise. You going to be ready to fight this week? All right. It goes on to say that, okay, Jesus said he prayed. If you're getting ever something, too, about someone else, what did Jesus do? He prayed. He operated as a man here, and he prayed for Peter. So he said, I prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, Jesus is really a person of faith here, isn't he? He's really behaving in faith, showing us what we should do. When you have turned back, he's saying, you're going to turn away, giving him a warning. When you've turned away, he'll give him another warning a little later when they're having the, the final supper, the Lord's Supper, and he's saying, Some, someone's going to betray me, and there's an atmosphere in the room. Um, and and at, you might remember another time that Peter said, everybody may fail you, but not me. Everybody may leave you, but not me. Jesus is telling him here, when you turn back, he had a solid sense that there was enough in Peter's life. When you turn back, I want you to strengthen your brethren. Some of you that have gone through some, some tough stuff lately, I want to encourage you. What would it look by, like if two or three years from now, your story was used to help someone else? We have two books of the Bible that Peter wrote. Jesus prayed for him that his faith wouldn't fail him. Later on, he has a season in his life. He has some things happen in his life. Peter's a powerhouse, and he faces fear like he never would have done before. So, if you're here today and you, you've had some things that have jarred your faith, hang in there. Your faith could be used. Your situation, your story, Peter's story is one that we'll see. Your story could be used to strengthen someone else. How does Peter respond to Jesus' warnings? Let's keep going. In verse 33, it says here, Peter says, I'm ready to go with you from prison to death. I will die 
for you. Does he feel like he will die for him? Absolutely, I'm sure he does. We feel all kinds of things when we're in the presence of God in this room, don't we? I will stand, I will stand no matter what. What are you gonna do when your faith is challenged? It's coming, it's coming. What will we do when our faith is challenged? Peter says, I'm ready to go with you even from prison to death. What's Peter doing here? He's not heeding Jesus' warnings. Jesus wasn't just being flippant. Let's all be careful. He's giving a directive specifically to Peter. And Peter is overconfident. You cannot be, I'll I'll say this, there's safety. This is the, the first point I want you to take with you. There is safety in hearing God's warnings. Oftentimes we'll, we'll hear a warning from God and we'll, maybe we confuse it and say, oh, that's fear. And we'll, we'll say, oh, I'm not going to have fear. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If, there, if there's a warning, we want to take heed. Jesus gave a warning to Peter. Peter really did not take that seriously. He had, I believe, an overconfidence in his own ability. There's a number of people that have overconfidence in their own ability today, and they're saying, oh, you know what, I'm good. I can go to church two times a month. I'll pick two. Or, I, you know what, I, I'm, I'm really kind of busy in my life. I don't really have time to study his word. They don't have a reading plan or a plan for what, how they're going to walk out their faith. That's overconfidence in our own abilities. I know what I'm talking about because I was raised in a pastor's home. I was raised in a home where, I mean, there was just a purity in our house. I'll just tell you, it was a purity in our house. And then um, I, I had to make some decisions in my life about what I was going to do with my own faith. I didn't recognize that I had confidence based on my parents. So Peter has confidence in the presence of Jesus, but his overconfidence was detrimental. Now, let me say this. You cannot be overconfident in God. You can't be overconfident in his goodness. You can't be overconfident in the character of God. I want you to unpack that a bit personally. You can be overconfident in your own level of faith, your own level of spiritual strength. And that's what Jesus was warning about. There is danger in unfounded, we're talking about being founded and grounded, unfounded confidence. Peter had not gone through what he's about to go through. John preached a message, uh, I think it's been a couple of years ago, about increasing our capacity, increasing our capacity and increasing our spiritual capacity. And he talked about a lot of practical applications to that. Um, A lot of times, God gives us the opportunity to increase our capacity, to do a bit of stretching, and if we don't do it now, there's something coming down the road. Life is just going to throw some things our way. And so with that, God, Jesus is is telling Peter, get ready. So um, I I think what, what could have helped Peter in this circumstance was to listen to Jesus and say, when, you know, he says, Jesus starts that with Simon, Simon. Do you remember when um, Paul was on the road to Damascus and the light appeared to him and God said, Paul, Paul. Two, two, two times he says the name, right? And then he's, you're, you're offending me. You're resisting me. And it was Jesus speaking, right? What about when Mary and Martha were there with Jesus and she's, Martha's running around doing her thing and Mary is at the feet of Jesus and Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Here we see in this passage, Simon, Simon. He's, he's trying to get his attention. What should Peter have done? Lord, help me, help me. Humility. What, what should we do when we have situation? Pray. I I can do this. I'll figure it out. And we go about our way. We logically try to figure it out or we analyze. 
And what Jesus was doing in giving a warning to Peter is to let him know that there was something coming. So Peter's actions in this circumstance did not match. He says, Lord, I will go with you even to death. His words didn't match his actions. Though everybody leaves you, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you to the end. His words didn't match his actions. In verse 34, Jesus answered. He gives him another. He comes back and answers him again. I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Peter was a lot more confident in his, in his level of strength. And I can see where that would have been hanging out with Jesus every day. Can't you? And he didn't take that warning seriously. What do, how do we apply this to our lives? Sometimes the things that, how does faith come? By hearing, by hearing the preached and anointed word, by hearing the word, by staying in his word. There's faith that comes when you're, when you're founded in his word uh, and you're reading it every day. There's, there's a lot of faith building there. So here's Peter in this circumstance, and he should have, have heeded what Jesus said and said, tell me what I can do. What do I need to do? I'm going to stick by you. He's feeling confident because of the atmosphere he's in. What's going to happen when he's there by himself? Well, if we go on verses 51, 54 to 61, I'll just recap this for you. He gets in a situation later that evening, and there's a young lady that comes to him and says, you're with Jesus. Well, he's not right in that scenario with Jesus. Remember, they went to the, even this very same night, they're at the, uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus says, I want you all to pray. Did they pray? Some of you know your Bible. They fell asleep. They fell asleep. They foo-fooed what Jesus said. Why are they feeling strong? Because they're in his presence at the time. But, you know, we've got to go out and walk this out. And so they were there, and they're feeling good. I'll do this. When, and they didn't take the, the, the command to go pray and get strong. In our own practical, for all practical purposes, that can happen in our lives with our own prayer life. Oh yeah, I'll do that later. And then we come home and we don't have anything left to give to the Lord of any value because we're exhausted. Um, So we don't put put his word at the first part of our day. Um, There are other things that we can do that where we're, we're, we're doing what Peter did and we're not thinking, oh, I got this. We think we're Christians and we think because we have a Christian label, Everything's all good. So we might fudge on what we're watching in our entertainment time. We cannot be overconfident in our faith. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, that's not going to affect me. Or what we're listening to, certain kinds of music. I'll let, I'm not talking legalism here. I'm talking about strength. If you want to be strong, I for one do. Some things that we're listening to. Maybe in the realm of entertainment and music, they were like, that doesn't really affect me. I wonder if Peter said, I don't know what is going on out in the community around me. All those people that are against Jesus, that's not going to affect me. Well, it does that night when that young lady says, you were with Jesus. Well, things had gotten crazy that night, you remember? Peter sliced the ear of Malchus off. And when they came to get Jesus, you know what I think? I don't think he believed that Jesus actually would get arrested tonight. He's seeing some things happen that he never thought would have happened. Ever happened in your life? I didn't know this was going to happen. It's called trying our faith. It's called the test of faith. But you win every time. If you take it seriously and say, I've got to spend more time in God's word. I've got to make sure that I'm blocking out. Maybe I don't need to go uh, to that family event this afternoon. Because there's some things going on in my family, my extended family. They're talking in ways that are not going to help my faith. We don't take those things seriously. We go, ah, they're, they just act that way when they're tipsy. They don't mean it. They just, ah, that doesn't really matter. And so Peter didn't take it seriously, and he moves on. And that night, he does that very thing. He denies Jesus. This young girl says something to him. He's like, it wasn't me. Why? Because he's afraid. Things are falling apart. He never thought Jesus would be arrested that night. I think he didn't think Jesus would be arrested. You think about this. 
Do you remember there was a time that the crowds were pushing in on Jesus? He'd been preaching and teaching, and they're pushing in on Jesus. It wasn't time for Jesus to be arrested yet. It wasn't time for him to give up his life. And so he passed through the crowd. They were going to throw him off a cliff that day, it says. And he passed through the crowds untouched. Peter had seen that. So I'm sure that night when these flaming torches came through that were donned by the soldiers, he thought, they don't know who they're dealing with. It was a different time. Jesus was going to be taken up. And Jesus knew that there were going to be some things that looked contradictory to what Jesus said. Are there things in your life right now that look contradictory to God's promises? Are there things that look like they're not going to work out? What are you going to do when everything in your world is shaken? Peter had his world shaken that night. He did not think that Jesus would be arrested. So then Peter denies Jesus, and then another person comes and says the very same thing. You too, you were with Jesus. There's no music, no worship music playing, right, in the background. There's no power. He's, he's afraid. He's separated and he's by himself. Now we see. Is he founded? Is he grounded? He could have been. He could have been if he'd listened to what, what God said, what Jesus said, what God was speaking to his heart through Jesus, a warning. We want to hear those warnings, and we want to get in a place of strength and power. So Peter denied Jesus that night, and then he went out, and in, in this particular passage here, if you read on, Jesus makes eye contact. We don't know if they were in the close vicinity or he actually heard some of what Peter had said. But Jesus and Peter make eye contact. And I'm sure Peter's heart just sank. Here's the good news. Peter, after the day of Pentecost, he preached. He and John preached and thousands were saved. He was arrested and he didn't even look back. He was arrested. They said, you better stop preaching and teaching or, and they listed, you know, we're going to do this to you. Peter said, go ahead. So everything changed. If you're here today and you're thinking, yeah, my faith has been, I've been experiencing all these contradictions to what I know to be truth. It's a war. It's a fight. Nobody's saying, oh, this isn't a fight. Just because we come in here on Sundays and we speak and talk about victory, there is a process to victory. There is a fight of faith. And I affirm you in Jesus' name. I want you to know you can do this if you'll stay in there and not quit. Peter did not quit. Even if you experienced a failure of some kind, a moral failure, a sin failure, you can be restored and your story can be used. Peter's story, we're using it today. He became such a powerhouse. Whenever his, the end of his life came, they said to him, we're going to crucify you just like the man that you say is your Lord. Peter said, oh no, please don't. Not because he was chicken, because he's, but he said, I want to be crucified upside down. I don't deserve to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. And he gave his life as well. You can be in a, pl a different place tomorrow than you are today. Maybe you've been in a place where you've operated in overconfidence and you've said things that you really wanted it to. You wanted that confession to work in your life. What was the problem? Well, there is no problem unless you quit. Keep going. You're going to have something else. We just had a huge victory in our lives this week, and I'm not going to go into our personal story right now, but there was something that happened, and the Lord just turned things around that looked like it was going that way, and all of a sudden come Tuesday, and we're like, we're, we're walking in our, our victory, aren't we? Yeah, that's what this is. And it had just to totally turned around. It was amazing. That can happen to you. You know what happened when it looked like things were not it was not going to go the way that we thought it was going to go. It wasn't. And we had actually someone tell us, this is not going to work out for you. We just decided, let's just keep acting like the word is true. What if? What if we acted like God's promises are truth and we kept saying them out our mouths? What if we kept that up? 
and things turned around. It was overnight. Now, that doesn't always happen that things turn around overnight in every situation. But if you're having a faith challenge right now, stay in there. You're not finished yet. Stay founded and grounded in what God's word says about your situation. You're going to have to know what his word says first. That's the homework for us, isn't it? I have to know. I can't say, and here's the thing. I have to know it, and I want to confess it. When, when, when John gets up here and he preaches to you and he gives you a word to confess, and you want to watch your heart. Faith is of the heart, not of the head. It's of the heart. So you want to, to say to yourself, if, if there's something, let's say that he, he got up here and he spoke on freedom in your finances and gave you passages such as, you don't need to owe anyone anything except to love them. And he showed us passages where God wanted us free from debt so we wouldn't be slave to a lender. And you're thinking, I am so not there. Well, you wouldn't want to get up and walk out. I'm sure there have probably been people that have done that. But you wouldn't want to get up and walk out because you're saying, well, that's not happening in my life. What do you want to do? You want to meditate it. Fill your heart. Faith is not of the head. You don't have to even understand it. Have you ever been in advanced classes in um, college or, you know, high school, whatever? And you're like, I do not get this. But you don't just put the book away and go, I hope this all works out. No, we dive in. We get a tutor. We do something. But we don't just say, I hope it all works out. I think that's what Peter did. This it's all going to work out. If we're hungry, he'll feed us. If something difficult happens to, you know, if someone comes, he's going to protect. Yes, but there are some things that we have to do in order to access and stay in a place of blessing. I want to end with a, a wonderful example. Are you ready? Wonderful example of success. We used uh, Peter's example of not things turning out so well, and then I want to finish with, with a wonderful faith. Um, example in 2 Kings 4.18. I'm just going to tell you about it, all right? But you might want to jot it down because it is amazing reading. Oh, I just love the Word. It has walked me through some of the darkest seasons that I didn't think I could go through. I open this and I find out that all can be well with me. The Shunammite woman is our, our person, our subject of interest right now in 2 Kings 4.18. She's, she's nameless, but here's how the story goes. She had been barren all her life, unable to bear a child, and now she's aging. And um, she and her husband have made a place for the prophet of God, Elisha. And so they have a place where Elisha is staying, and they, they show honor to the prophet of God. And so she had been in their home a number of times. They're people of means. There's a season that comes, and um, Elisha just wants to show value to this lady. I wonder if they didn't speak the same language, because he speaks to Gehazi, and the Gehazi speaks to her. I never thought about that till this week. He would speak to Gehazi, and the Gehazi would tell her something, and then Gehazi would then say something back. So I wonder if they weren't not were not even the same. Uh, they didn't speak the same language. But Elisha told her, uh, he speaks to her through Gehazi, and he says, ask her what she wants. Ask her what's in her heart. I want to bless her for hosting me and having a, she had a private room with his own area that he would come and stay when he came to preach the word in the area. And um, so she, the, Elisha asked, and she says, uh, I don't need anything. I think Elisha sensed a, sensed a disappointment, a disappointed heart. He presses in a bit. Ask her what she wants. She finally does submit to him that, that she doesn't have a child, and her and her husband are aging. She says that, and he, the prophet says, this time next year you will hold a son. Guess what happened in a year? So she has this little one, and I'm sure, with, as with the birth of any child, what hope. It's the best day of your life. The best days of my life were when my children 
came into the earth. It's just amazing. So here they are. And she raises this little one, and she's got dreams and visions for this child. The day comes, he's out working with daddy. So I don't know, I would say anywhere between maybe 6 and 12. He's working with dad, but he's big enough to carry still. So he's out there working with dad, and he, he says, my head hurts. And the, he tells the, the workers around, take him to his mother. So he goes to his mom, and they lay him, the, lay the little boy on her lap. And the Bible says she holds him till noon, and then he dies on her lap. Her dream dies. Her dream died right there in her lap. Now, here, here's what we see happen here. She quickly, she does not lose her composure. This, what does that tell me about her? There was some stuff in her. That, that can make you lose your composure. If you're like the world, the world, how do, how do people handle that that don't know God? They fall apart. It's horrible. How do people behave that know their maker, that have a few non-negotiables? All I know is he is good. When something contradicts your faith, things are not going the way you thought they would go. This, this little one dies. She, she lays him down on the prophet's bed. She takes him to that, that spare bedroom, the guest room, and she lays him. She believes in the power of the word. See, she didn't have the written word like we do. We are now in an age, listen up to this, or you'll say, wow, that was an awesome story about the Shunammite. No, no, no. We live in a day that we have something more than she had. We have the written word of God, and we are all kings and priests unto God. In this time period, the prophet carried the word. That's the only way they got the word. She was valuing the word by valuing the prophet. So she leaves, and she, she packs her things, and the Bible says she takes her servants with her, and she says, get the fastest of our donkeys, I don't know what they would use, camels, get those animals, and we are out of here. She said, we're going to the prophet. I think she was standing in faith by herself because her husband says, where are you going? She says, I'm going to go see the prophet. She didn't lie, but he says, why? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's not time for worship. I don't think she felt she could tell him. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're in faith right now by yourself. Are you all alone? And your faith. I love you. And so does God. You hang in there. So she, she, she says, I'm going to go see the prophet. He says, well, why? It's not the new moon. She says, all is well. Is all well? Did her baby just die on her lap? Why is she doing that? Her confession is in what she will see. And she refuses to let go of that. All is well, she says. So then she, she gets, she's in, a, she's in a hurry. She's not saying, uh, you know, she's not foo-fooing the problem. We've already saw what can happen with that. Oh, well, it'll all be okay. No, she knows this is a real issue. Are there things in life that are real fights of faith? Are there? Ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, we've got to know that. Or we present to the world that, yeah, it's just no big deal. We get saved and God takes away all of our problems. Daniel gave us a great example. Just because you're a faith person, just because you're following the Lord fully, fully, doesn't mean you're not going to have some things that challenge your faith. She was standing alone. The Shunammite woman got on that animal and she went to the prophet. So it must have been flat. I'm looking at, I'm thinking of a desert place because they see her coming from afar. So I don't know if Elisha and Gehazi, his assistant, are sitting out on the porch or whatever, if they see a window, out the window. But he says, I think that's the Shunammite coming. And so he, he sends Gehazi, go see if everything's all right. Gehazi goes to see if everything's okay. And when she meets Gehazi, she says, he says, is everything okay? Is everything okay with, at home? And she says, all is well. She believes. She's trusting in what she knows. And she's going to watch. She doesn't have any proof yet. 
that her baby's going to be raised. She may not even have known. I don't know if she knew of a circumstance. You and I have so many circumstances of faith people and the Word of God that have been healed, delivered, set free. Chains broken. The devil defeated. She didn't have all of that. So she says to Gehazi, all is well. Take me to the prophet. It's okay, but I'm going to get what the Word says. I'm going, she's still going to do her due diligence. She gets to Elisha and she says to Elisha, here she, here she just bears her soul. Bear your soul with the Lord. Tell him about all this stuff. I'm standing by myself. You see how difficult this is. And then just don't leave with that. She says to the prophet, my son has died. I want you to come. And he begins to give instructions to Gehazi. You go and you do this and that. And Gehazi goes on ahead. You go into the room and you lay your face on the boy's face, your hand on the boy's hand. He tells him what to do. Gehazi takes off and she refuses to leave the prophet. She refuses to leave the presence of God. She refuses to leave the word. She's founded and grounded. She knows what'll work, and she's not sure about anything else. You know, there'll be things in your life, and you're like, well, maybe that'll work. Listen, that's, that might be okay with some things, but when you've got big stuff in your life, don't stick with what you know will work. So Elisha, then she compels him, and he goes with her, and he goes, and he does that very thing. He lays his face on the boy's face, hands on the boy's hands, and the child comes back to life. Do you have a you have something that's contradicting your faith? She, she, she could have lost hope. If she, had, if she had not declared out her mouth, God is going to help me. And then, you know what you don't have to do? We have to specifically use the word of God. Declare it out our mouths. Pray it. I, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Um, I want you to just bow your heads with me. And I want you to, maybe if you've got something in your life and it's contradicting, you never thought you would be here never considered that where you are today, it would be this way. It might be in a relationship. It might be in your finances. Lord, I thought you told me to go into business. Well, it's not over. If you're not, if you can say to yourself, I was not in outright disobedience in an issue. And let, let me get, let's just go here. What if you were in outright disobedience? We serve a Savior. He's your Savior. He can clear that up. If you'll step in there and say, Lord, everything in my life is topsy-turvy with this situation. I don't, I don't know what to do next. We're going to pray right now, and here's what I want you to look for. I want you to look for uh, throughout the day. It might happen immediately as you sit there. It's the way the Holy Spirit operates. Sometimes it'll be uh, an immediate knowing what to do. And people walk out sometimes and go, oh, it, things work out a day or two later, and they go, oh, it all worked out. No, there was something specific that you did. The way, reason why thing, excuse me, the reason things work out is because of our, our faith, because we're trusting in him. So whatever that situation is, I want you to, some of you may need to look back, and it's been about a year or two, and there's a huge disappointment right there. There's a huge thing. You thought it was going to work out a certain way. You prayed about it. And you're, you're, there's just all these contradictions. And it looks like it's gotten maybe more complicated and complex. I want you to present that to him today. And I want you to say in your heart, Lord, all can be well with me as well. I'm going to get back in my place to be founded and grounded. I'm going to get back on, on the level of spiritual pursuit of you that I need to get into. So you, you pray in your heart, and I'm going to pray aloud and ask the Lord about that situation. We're going to look for him to give you thoughts and ideas and give you uh, the next step. It may be to do nothing. Do, I want you to hear me on that. Sometimes God will give, he'll say, I want you just to rest. And that's the hardest thing to do. Maybe there's nothing you can do about a certain extended relationship, and you have to just rest in the Lord. Doesn't mean you'll do nothing. You'll stay in faith. How do you stay in faith? You still got to come to church. You still got to pursue an active Bible reading, uh, prayer time. You still have to value the things of God. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for what we've discovered in your word today. I thank you for the life of Peter. 
What a stellar example he is to us. As we look at his life and see that he failed and overcame and he didn't quit, when it looked like his Savior, when he looked like this, when it looked like the center of his world, Jesus Christ had been defeated. He was overwhelmed, disappointed, disillusioned, but it wasn't over. I thank you, Lord, that Peter did come back and he was strengthened and he strengthened us with his story. I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you, Lord, for the Shunammite woman, real people that walked, heroes of faith, that walked this earth. And now it's our turn. Now it's us. We're doing it. We're doing the daily. And I'm asking you, Lord, to bless my brothers and sisters, everyone under the sound of my voice. Bless and empower. Equip. I pray for a covering. I plead the blood of Jesus over situations that seem utterly impossible. Because we know with you, nothing is impossible. If, if we're with you, this thing can turn around. I thank you, Lord. I pray for strength for that one who is standing alone. Maybe they don't have a, 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 a friend or a, a spouse that is standing with them. I pray for strength of heart. And Lord, we just commit ourselves to you to be faithful to you, that we will not quit. We'll not quit when the enemy says, oh, no, now this time this one's not, this is, this one's not going to work out. You cause us always to triumph if we'll stay with it, if we stick with it. So I thank you, Lord. And we, we just say that we'll give you the last word. We'll give your word the last word. In Jesus' name, amen.